Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 30. Well, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Healing Catalyst podcast. And today we're going to jump right in because my conversation with my guest, Dr. Amy Robbins, was so incredibly thought-provoking that I can't wait to share it with you. But first, a little bit about Amy. Amy is a doctor of clinical psychology, and she's been in private practice in Chicago for over two decades. She was trained psychodynamically, which means that she helps you understand your unconscious thoughts, feelings, and reactions to various things in your life by bringing them into your conscious awareness. And she also integrates relational theories into her work as she examines how your previous relationships impact your current relationships. In addition, Dr. Robbins believes that the human mind is not detached from the rest of the body or from the soul and finds that integrating spirituality into her therapeutic process is incredibly transformative for many of her patients. Dr. Robbins is also the host of the popular podcast, Life, Death, and the Space Between, where she brings her unique perspective of a clinical psychologist and medium to help listeners learn how to live in the now by exploring life, death, anxiety, consciousness, and the space between. And it's this perspective, which was so thought-provoking during our conversation on today's episode. Dr. Robbins talks about what psychodynamic therapy is and how it's not about rehashing your past, but instead about understanding the patterns of behavior that come from your past. She also drops so many truth bombs about what she thinks is the undercurrent of the pandemic that is causing so much division among families and friends and really among all of us in this country and throughout the world, which she says is the fear of death and the false belief that control by whatever means will somehow decrease this fear of death. Amy also shares her story of experiencing the death of a loved one and the gifts that it revealed to her and how it shaped not only the course of her life, but also of the work that she does to help others heal. Dr. Robbins shares profound lessons on the healing power of letting go of the need to control and to convince anyone of anything. I hope our conversation opens you up to a new perspective on letting go. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you. We've only talked one time in person, and I think we could have talked all day. Yeah, I think we need a day retreat with each other. Exactly. For sure. <laughs> exactly. And so I thought it would be really, really great to have you on my podcast because many of the things that we were talking about in our uh, in-person conversation are things that, you know, have been on my mind and you were sharing that are things that have been on your mind. So I thought let's, let's do it on my podcast so that all of my listeners can benefit from so much of the wisdom that you have. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I know we, we definitely connected instantaneously. So I always love when there's that synergy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I want to dive into your work. Um, you're a clinical psychologist and um, your specialty specifically is in psychodynamic psychology and therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly is that? What does that really mean? 
Yeah. So my training was in really sort of psychodynamic therapy and has kind of evolved since then to integrate other pieces of spirituality and energy psychology. But where I really started was with the notion coming out of Freud, truthfully, that um, our early childhood relationships are the relationships that impact us for the rest of our lives and how we experience those relationships are what is so formative in terms of how our relationships moving forward are, particularly as adults, right? When we can look back and really think about, oh, my father did this, my mother did this, my caregiver treated me like this, and I am now responding to that person in my life, partner, friend, authority figure, whoever it is, as if they are that father, mother, caregiver, not as if they are who they are. So we call this like object relations, how I'm relating to other objects in my life. And oftentimes we are not clearly seeing those people for who they are. We're seeing them as projections of our own early experiences. And so a lot of my work initially, although, you know, not not for the length of not necessarily for the duration of my work, but initially is to really understand those early relationships, to understand how they impacted people, how they helped form their understanding of relationships with others. And then to use that as a springboard to help people understand themselves better and understand their relationships better. And I think so much of this for people is unconscious, which is where you know Freud really came in, was talking about the unconscious. He was talking more about it in the sense of like fantasies and um, associations, but really thinking about how all of these experiences we have sometimes end up in our unconscious. And so we're relating to other people, not from a conscious place. We're just responding to them. And a lot of that is our unconscious um, kind of sub also subconscious, more repressed feelings about another experience in our lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the first question that comes up for me, because, you know, um, I have gone to a therapist for years and years. I have, I, I think everybody should be in some kind of therapy. I think it's just one of the most wonderful gifts that you can give to yourself. Um, but you know, there's a lot of debate about whether, you know, rehashing things from your past or from your childhood is necessary to move forward. So what's your, what's your take on that? Cause there's so much friction, uh, in that debate or, you know, in that conversation among a lot of therapists and right. how they view it. And even among, you know, people who go to therapy about, Oh, I don't want to do that. I do want to do that. How do you, how do you square that? Well, I don't think it's a one size fits all mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. So I think that people have to find frankly, the most the therapist that they connect to the most. And that really has been shown in the research to be one of the one of the strongest predictors of healing is your relationship with the therapist. So that to me is the most important thing. Now, I am not as a therapist about let's rehash your past. One of the things I always say to my patients is what happened to you helps us uh, explain your behavior, understand your behavior. It doesn't excuse anything moving forward. So let's understand it as, as a starting point, but then let's, let's relate differently. Now you have an opportunity to be different, to change the way your patterns were laid. Maybe it was family patterns that have been laid for years, you know, generations, this transgenerational process that, that often happens within families where you have a father and a son and a grandson who are all, or a grandfather, father, and a son who are all repeating these same patterns. And I think that it's really helpful to recognize that and say, you know what, it's going to stop with me. I'm not going to continue to verbally abuse or physically abuse or abuse substances. I'm going to shift and make things different for myself. And that's why I think that the really understanding your past and your history comes in quite handy because we can't deny that that shapes who we are. Just like in your work, right? You have to look at, okay, what got you to this point? Um, and then once we understand that, all right, let's move forward from that point. Right. And so I think that, you know, you make a really important uh, point which is a subtle difference between rehashing things, which is what people will 
really focus in on like, oh, I'm going to have to go through all the trauma of my childhood and my childhood relationships. And I, what I'm hearing from you is that it's more about understanding the patterns that of behavior in how you relate to people. And that may require going back into your past, into your childhood, into your childhood relationships, but then not staying there, like saying, okay, here are the patterns. Now let's come back into the present and see how that's affecting your life and your, your health now. Exactly. Exactly. It's not healthy in my opinion, to live in that past state. You have to move forward from that. And if, and if you are stuck there, then we have to figure out why you're stuck there and help you move forward from that. But I think, you know, oftentimes people in their relationships are repeating patterns. So we have to understand, okay, why is that? Was that modeled for you? Was that your experience? You know, why are you always, narcissism is a really big you know, topic right now. Why do you feel so connected to this person? Why are you so charmed by them? Why are you so wowed by them? Let's, let's understand your early relationships and, and see how you were treated, what that was about. So we can understand maybe why this feels normal to you, right? If we, we seek out what is familiar. And so if, if we had a parent who was narcissistic or who was abusive, we're likely going to seek that out because that's what we know. And we, we like to maintain a status quo. Right. Well, what about the opposite of that, of seeking out? And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about all the young people in my life, but even friends who are, you know, in relationships or it's not even necessarily romantic partner relationships, but, you know, and we'll get to this, um, but how we're relating to other people just in general right now, because there's a lot going on with the pandemic and where we are and how, how we're all relating to each other as human beings. But, you know, you were saying that you might, you know, seek out what you are familiar with, you know, the patterns of, of the childhood relationships or modeling that you had. Is it also true that you seek out the opposite? Sure. You absolutely could, right? There's, there's people can go the total other extreme. Right. And, and I think about it as let's just be conscious about why we're making the choices we're making. So if you are choosing that person who is the opposite of whatever you experience, right. let's understand why that is and then make a choice from a conscious place. Yes, that's what I want. No, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. Not from an unconscious place of I know that didn't feel good. So I'm just going to pick this because that feels better because, you know, the narcissist narcissism didn't feel good. And then you might have a whole other set of issues that you're dealing with because you're not aware, you're not awake, you're not conscious, you're not present enough in your life to be making decisions from a clear place. So I love what you're saying, because this is actually one of the things I always start with when I am talking about Ayurveda is that Ayurveda is a way of conscious living. It's about awareness. That's where we always start is awareness. You can talk about all the practices and all of the supplements and all the food and all this, that, and the other doesn't mean anything unless you're first aware. And so I love that you're saying that you bring this piece of let's get aware of the patterns we are in, where they came from, how they're influencing our behavior and our choices now, and then make choices. And there's no good or bad in what you're saying. It's not like this is better or that's worse or there's no judgment on the relationships you had or the models that you encountered or anything like that. Right. Exactly. It's, it's about clarity in my mind and really making those choices from a clear place, not a projection, not a um, fantasy or wish, you know, Oh, I want this person to be different than they actually are. So I'm going to continue in a relationship that I know isn't good for me because I'm going to change them. But really being clear on why you are engaging in any interaction that you're engaging with. And I think that that's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, right? It's a lot of self-talk. It's a lot of introspection. It's a lot of insight. It takes a lot of time to train your mind to think about, hang on, I'm not going to react right now. It's about how you are continuing to look at the world and grow. Mm-hmm. And that's, in my mind, not 
finite until we're gone. And even then we could have a whole nother podcast about that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, this idea of letting go of these patterns, that's what's coming up for me because this episode is during the month that we're talking about letting go, different perspectives of letting go. And so how do you even become aware that there's something that you need to let go of? What are the common reasons that people will come to you for this kind of therapy? Um, what are the warning signs, the signals? Because I talk a lot about that as well, is that you know when these discomforts come up, these symptoms, these signs, it's telling you something. If you're aware, you're going to listen. You may not know exactly what to do, but at least you're becoming aware. So what would be those sorts of signs, signals, types of things? Well, and you probably talk a lot about this. The body is going to manifest the symptoms, right? So you're going to maybe have heart racing, sweaty palms, uh, feelings of sadness, difficulty concentrating, difficulty sleeping, appetite, either increased or decreased, you know, lack of motivation, any of those things, sometimes just feeling like a little down and sad might be, there's not, it's not something is wrong with that, right? There, I, I believe there is a range of emotions in the human experience. We have to experience all of them just because you're feeling sad at a time doesn't mean you're headed into this dark, dismal depression. It just means, okay, what's going on with me? And I'm always asking these questions of myself. Why am I feeling this today? Not in a way that it sends me in this like long journey of deep thought, but just, just as a way to question, okay, where are you? And that goes the same for happiness too, and joy and contentment. And we are always asking ourselves when something's wrong, what's wrong, right? I mean, even with my kids, they walk in the room, I look at their face, what's wrong? But it's not like, what's right? What's right today? And so I think that that's a simple a very simple exercise to just say what's right today. People will say it's a gratitude, you know, all of that definitely is helpful. And I also am not over prescriptive on that because I think people sometimes feel like that feels disingenuous in some way. And I, I often feel like it has to come from your heart for it to heal you. And that if you're thinking about what is good in your life? Let it be genuine and organic. Um, I feel like I didn't really answer your question completely. <laughs> no, you did. No, you did. I mean, because uh, I mean, what you're, what you're coming to is that it's, it's not going to be some specific thing that's going to say, oh, I need to go into therapy um, or specifically psychodynamic therapy, right? It's going to be sort of, okay, there's something I'm feeling. Let me become aware of it. And then let me explore the different options for what, what might help me with that. Right. And therapy is the first thought, like I need to go and talk to somebody to help me sort this out. And then, like you were saying, it's really the fit with um, a therapist and their style and who they are as a person and how you relate to them. Yeah. And there are different types of therapy that are, are more uh, in line with different types of issues. If you have an intense phobia, you don't, want to come see me probably. Right. I mean, yeah. you could, but if it's a very specific phobia, exposure and response prevention is going to be the best treatment modality for that. If you've had trauma, you want to look at perhaps EMDR or um, nervous system regulation or like real specific therapies for trauma. So substance abuse, you know, you want to look at a substance abuse and maybe also you're going to do some work on like, okay, how did I get to this point? Early childhood relationships, things like that. So sometimes these things, these, these modalities can go hand in hand. Of course. Um, obviously cognitive behavioral therapy is, you know, evident, the most evidence-based therapy, but there's also debate in the field of psychology around what that means and what is, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that supports psychodynamic therapy. It's just harder to research because it's not as um, prescriptive. Right. Exactly. And that becomes a challenge then of, of what's being reported in the media as, or in the studies as the most effective quote unquote therapy or modality. So, and the most effective is the one that works for you. Right. Doesn't matter Absolutely. how you get there. Yeah. I just want to click into that pearl that she just dropped just now, that truth that 
literally the most effective thing, whatever you're talking about when you're talking about your health and wellness is what works for you. Full stop. You know, so thank you for saying that. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd love to shift into sort of what are you sort of seeing in your patients right now? You know, uh, even sort of the progression of what you've seen over this very, very interesting time that we're in as human beings on this globe, but even more so as health professionals, what are, what are you experiencing? No, it's really interesting because when, when this all started, people would say to me, friends, and are your patients freaking out? You know, how are they doing? And I was like, my patients are great. You and I talked about this a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think people were floored by that. And what I was saying to my patients and to others was this was like the Super Bowl, right? This was the emotional Super Bowl that we were given. (laughs) And my patients came to me for all different types of reasons, none of which was we have an impending pandemic and I need to figure out how to deal with that. But what they learned through our work together was how to cope, how to manage feelings, how to ride the how to, what I call urge surf or ride kind of, I, I, John Breer titled that urge surfing, not me, but, um, how to kind of manage the waves of emotions and feelings. And so they were prepared the rest of the world who maybe hadn't been in therapy, hadn't been dealing with their issues. It's like showing up for the Super Bowl, never having picked up a football before. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that was where I think a lot of the, uh, mental health crises are happening is for people who haven't been learning and working and building the emotional muscle around how to deal with feeling, not the people who are already in there for them, the ground was stable. They knew I have that weekly appointment. So what changed for me was people were showing up for their weekly appointments weekly. Um, you know, the travel stopped, everything stopped and, and everybody had a place where they knew they could bring what was, what was happening with them. And I think for my patients, that was incredible for the rest of the world. We're in a mental health crisis right now, a a mental health pandemic. And we, I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I mean, many of my colleagues are completely full booked, no more space, wait lists I've heard at hospitals and different centers are months long. Uh, And so this is really the issue I feel like. Um, And, and a lot of what I saw it bring up for people was obviously fear. And, and when we're in a place of fear, everything shuts down. Uh, we, our, our immune system shuts down, right? We're in this fight or flight response. You, I'm sure could speak to this. Mm-hmm. And all of our energy is going towards survival, mm-hmm. not towards managing and regulating our nervous systems and, um, you know, our, cortisol levels that go through the roof, all of that then impacts the body, right? We're seeing anxiety, we're seeing depression, we're seeing trauma, um, big T trauma, little T trauma, like all the whole range. And so, no, I think that this fear then is driving this need to control. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of that and that's coming, that's getting expressed in our relationships. So many relationships have been destroyed, family relationships destroyed over vaccine, not vaccine, mask, not mask, um, Trump, not Trump, you know, all of these, I mean, for the first nine months of my, my work in COVID, that was the conversation, mm-hmm. COVID, Trump, COVID, Trump, <laughs> Um, And so on both sides, like not, not a, everybody was one way, everybody was the other. Right. Right. And so how do you hold space for people to explore whatever it is they're feeling? Right. So I want to tap into something that you just said, which was that the fear is what's coming up and that causes all of us to go into shutdown where we're just trying to survive, but we can't regulate, right? That's the first thing. And that this fear is causing us to go into this mode of wanting to control, right? And, and I feel like this control and and what you just said about controlling, um, almost how other people view what's going on in the pandemic, right? This whole us versus them mentality, right? Or, um, you know, 
you're exposing me to you're, you're increasing my exposure risk versus what can we do personally? Like I, I feel, and you know, and this is again, not to get political, not to get mm-mm, you know one side of this is not making judgments on anybody's decisions. Everyone has their own reasons for where they are on this whole pandemic. And we're just going to leave it at that. I think what you and I have been talking about is this idea of let's start shifting the conversation from this need to control other people's point of view um, because of our own fear. And let's shift instead into focusing on our own individual health, mental health, (laughs) emotional health, physical health, and strengthening our immunity. You know, this idea that sort of what are we going to do to make our immune system more resilient so that we can become that 80%, that number that's being reported, that recovers more rapidly and more completely, even if they're exposed. Because the reality is, is that there's a high percentage of us that will get exposed no matter how much we mitigate our risks. That is just the reality, right? And so how can we shift? Because everyone is so focused on like, oh my God, you, you know, you expose me to a risk or I'm going to get exposed to it or, you know, and it's, it's creating more, it's like fear is creating more fear and more fear. And all it's Mm -hmm. doing is killing our immune systems. Right. And so there's two things. One, I think is this fear of death that we're not talking about, right. Which Mm -hmm. is the undercurrent of all of this. And frankly, what I love talking about is death, which I know is, seems a little bit morbid, but I do believe it gives us a huge, like bright light to live. But that is the undercurrent of all of this, right? Am I going to die? That's the question that everybody fears that no one's talking about. Um, when do, if if I get COVID, am I going to die? Or is someone close to me going to die? And I'm not going to be able to cope with that. Mm -hmm. So that to me is the two issues riding the waves underneath the current of fear. Yes, there's going to be long-term health implications, all of those things. But ultimately, how does that impact my way of life? And am I going to be able to emotionally cope with it? Mm, So this is so interesting that you bring this up because coming from, you know, a South Asian household and Eastern healing traditions, we talk about death. Death is something that is discussed. It's part of our spiritual practices. It's part of our Um, it's part of Ayurveda and yoga is this understanding of death that there's one thing that we can all be sure of is that we will all die. But in Western culture, we run away from this topic. It is not discussed. So I think that you're bringing up a really fascinating point and a really important one, which is this undercurrent. So talk to me more about that. You know, how, how do you go there? Like, how do you begin that discussion? I just ask people what their experience with death has been, Mm. you know, who in your life has died close to you? What is your belief system around death and dying? What do you, what do you look at? What do you think happens when we die and really dig into that? And there Irving Yalom, who was an, who's a very renowned therapist writes that if in therapy, you never address death, then it's not a real treatment. And that stuck with me years ago when I read it, because it is at the core and the, I mean, it's, it's our core fear. Mm-hmm. And yet if we were immortal, what would that mean about our lives? How mm-hmm. would that shift things? Cause I believe that in order to really live, we have to accept that we're going to die. Well, taking that in to live, to really live, you have to accept that you're going to die. Otherwise, we're constantly defending against that. Our whole life is a defense against that. Right. What's the relationship between that fear of death and this need to control everyone's point of view with regard to the pandemic? I think it's, it's an attempt at warding off that fear. Like if I can prevent everybody around me from potentially exposing me to this virus, then in some way I can ward off the death and the death of the people I love. And I'm not saying death is an easy thing to accept. You know, it, it isn't. Grief is painful and losing your loved one is excruciating, but we have, we can't fight that reality. Right. 
So it, it's really easy for me, again, being you know a physician, a scientist, to understand that idea of trying to protect everyone around me. Let's say from the point of encouraging people to get vaccines, to wear a mask. Tell me what the other side is, because I think it's important to have both points of view talked about, right? So if someone isn't wanting to do the vaccine or isn't wanting to wear a mask, where is that fear of death and control? I think that they're, they're equally scared that, and again, I don't know all the views on this, but that the vaccine could also affect them in some way, right? Could kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, That we don't know perhaps what's really in these vaccines. And I think this is a much larger issue. And I do believe if we could have addressed this from a psychological perspective, tell me what your fears are. What are you concerned about? And I know some people are doing this. And I also think to dismiss someone's fears around, you know, we've, we've, Right. Become so binary with this. It's like you're pro-vax or you're anti-vax. But there's vaccine hesitancy, which is probably where most people lie in all of this. Absolutely. That is, let me tell me about that. Tell right. me what and and not necessarily offering like you should do this, mm-hmm. but just tell me about why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Because then we can really understand what the fear is beneath that. What right. the maybe it's a fear of being controlled, and what has that felt like to people? You know, we don't know anybody's story in any of this, right? And so when someone shows up at the table and they are, you know, hell bent on yes, absolutely, or no, absolutely not, right? Well, I'm just curious, like. I just want to understand where you're coming from. It's not a judgment. And I have to say that my son had COVID, he's seven. And the response when I told people he had it, honestly, you would have thought that he was like diagnosed, God forbid, with like end-stage terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. The response of people just reinforced to me how much fear there has been instilled in everyone. Mm-hmm. And I had no, I mean, I haven't had a whole lot of fear in this process of me getting it or anyone. I love getting it because we do a lot of things to help mitigate that. And I trusted that we would be okay. I mean, someone said something about the groceries, you know, were you, were you wiping down? I'm so glad I don't have to wipe down groceries anymore. And I was like, I know, you know what, if the groceries were what was going to take me out, then the groceries were going to take me out. Right. Um, you know, and that was really the mentality and with kids, you know, so much of what our kids see is what we model for them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, I think you're getting to a really great point, which is again, what we were discussing and I don't have any agenda here except to, you know, help my listeners sort of just open up to the possibility that there are so many different views on this, wherever you stand on this. Right. And really let's, let's start shifting from this fear of exposure to more of a compassion for our own selves of like, what is going on internally for me, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of these things. What is my internal terrain as, you know, uh, Ellen Bora, who was on my podcast a few episodes ago, she writes about this idea of exposure versus internal terrain, which I think is a really great way to think about it. You know, what is your internal immunity and strength um, and health in thinking what's your internal thinking yeah absolutely and so how let's let's shift that focus and then this idea of what you're kind of coming to is like let's let's shift to this us and them perspective rather than us versus them and be curious about why do you feel the way you do what's where is your fear coming from on of any side or any part of the spectrum of wherever you stand on this issue. Um, and then the other thought thing I was thinking about this idea of shifting from sort of a victim mindset into more of an empowered mindset. Right. And I think mm-hmm. all of these focus, all of these three go together. And so that when you can shift into this place of feeling empowered about your internal terrain and, and realizing that 
everyone's just doing the best they can (laughs) and everyone has their own story. How can that change things for you? And I think too, you know, even if the mind is so powerful in terms of what it can do and wherever you felt, you know, I, I was honestly not super thrilled about getting the vaccine. I got it, but I I'm hesitant and I still don't love the idea of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I made that choice. And when I gave it, when I got it and when I gave it to my kids, I did a lot of visualization around whatever was bad or might have not been useful for my body, that my body was going to let that go that it was going to clear out of my body. Same for my kids. So like separate from all the supplements and support that we did from that perspective, Mm -hmm. I also visualized, okay, how can I control what I'm putting in? If I'm going into it thinking, this is going to make me sick. This is horrible for me. Anything you're putting in your body, right? Those thoughts are then that. Right. Versus, you know what? This is something that I'm, putting to help prevent me from getting this again, anything, this is going to help heal me. This is going to help heal the, the world. You know, you can do this at any level. Mm-hmm. You can then start to impact change. And then we're talking about a collective experience, a collective consciousness. You can just send out love from your heart to other people who feel differently or think differently than you do. I feel like I just went off on some tangent somewhere, no. but that all of that is healing our own internal terrain as well. Right. And so, I mean, that's exactly that idea of the us and them, you know, projecting that love, regardless of what someone's opinion or point of view is. And it's, you know, it goes back to this idea of like letting go of this need to convince anybody of anything mm-hmm. right and to stop the fighting and the 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 conflict and you know and again because like you said it's destroying families it's destroying old friendships that people have had since they were children you know or even new friendships it's and it is so incredibly toxic for all of us regardless again of where our point of view is to have this kind of conflict in our human relations. I mean, I think if anything that we've learned through this pandemic is that we need each other. Right. Right. It's destroying communities. Right. I mean, and I'm not even talking about the debate. I'm talking about then the level of intensity, the collective anger that Mm. people are feeling, and Mm. then they're driving their car and they're honking their horns there. We live in Chicago. There's an increase in crime. This is because we have gotten further and further and further away from what it means to be a collective part of a community. We're Mm -hmm. so individualistic. And, you know, a lot of the research on this coming out of like places like Iceland, where they have really high vaccine rates, is the the collective, um, the collectivist nature of that country versus we are, we are us versus them. We've been so individualistic. Right. We've moved away from communities. We use, it used to be, we would know everything that was going on with everybody, right? Like our, for better, for worse, <laughs> um, you know, we would sit on the front stoop at night and talk to our neighbors. We don't do that anymore. We walk in our houses, we close our garage, you know, we, we get in our car in the morning, we drive to work, we drive home. We, we live in a community of our nuclear families. And for some people that is extended, but for many, it is just, you know, however, two, four, six, whatever your, your number is. Uh, and, and that impacts our emotional health as well. When right. we're in community, we are so much better off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say would be some tips that, I mean, you've already kind of, you know, talked about some, but what are some, maybe one or two things that you think really help people shift out of this fear? Listening. Mm-hmm listening to other people rather than immediately putting them in a box of this or that Mm -hmm. saying, can you help me understand where you're coming from? Can you say more about that? I'm curious to know what you're, why you're thinking in that way rather than, oh my gosh, what is that person's impact on me because of the decision that they make? Right. 
coming from a place of let me understand you versus let me tell you where I'm coming from. You have to, you have to listen to where I'm coming. Right. Right. But really truly listening with a focus and an intention of understanding mm-hmm. of tr- curiosity and, and letting go of this need to convince anybody of anything. Right. Cause good luck with that. Yeah. Truthfully. You know, <laughs> truthfully, I mean, honestly, and, and we're in the health professions. And so, you know, it is, it is a difficult position to be in because we want to encourage people to make their own decisions and weighing science and what we know the data is and all of these things. And then also coming back to that individual person and really trying to understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing is to be in community. So Mm. to find some place where you can give of yourself to make meaning. Because when we're connected to other people, when we're giving, when we're involved, when we're helping others, that is really healing. And it feels so good. Mm -hmm. And I know for me personally, I always feel better when I'm, even if it's something simple, like yesterday, I walked out of Barnes and Noble and there's always a streetwise guy that's been there. And I just said, I looked at him and I said, where have you been? How are you? And it was genuine. And he said, I, you know, I've had a rough go. And I said, you always have the biggest smile on your face and the best attitude. And then he told me his story about what he's been through. And I was in a little bit of a hurry, but I was like, okay, I'm going to stop because yeah, he's taking the time to tell me his story. And I want to listen with an open mind and an open heart because everybody has a story. Yeah. And that interaction is then a way to, this is going to kind of go off in another direction too, but it's a way to raise the vibration of both my soul, of his soul, and then of the collective, because we're having real meaningful heart to heart connection Mm -hmm. that just started from me saying, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. And so I know that your work, this is a great segue into one last thing that I want to talk about with you, which is your work really um, has evolved into really thinking about spirituality. You've already talked about sort of death and that's something you talk about. Talk to me about that and how that fits into all of this for you. That might be a whole other podcast. Which that's fine. It can be. We'll just get started. So when I was 18 years old, I lost my aunt. She had juvenile onset diabetes and she was waiting for a pancreas and kidney transplant. They went in to kind of assess her to make sure that her body would be strong enough to withstand a transplant. And they had seen that she had had several heart attacks and she, um, went in for surgery to make, to repair her heart. And when she was in the surgery, her heart was too weak and she ended up dying on the table. And she was like a mother to me, a second mother to me, extremely close to my mom. It was my mom's sister. I have a very close family. And this really sent me into a downward tailspin, racked with grief, racked with anxiety, trying to control every outcome possible, which is a lot of what anxiety is, right? Our need to control and make sure that we can make sure that the outcome is exactly how we want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I kind of, I I started in therapy when she died and really was exploring my grief and my anxiety around death and what it would mean to die and my own fears about death. And, and then I started having visits from her and this really catapulted me into exploring what happens when we die exploring mediumship and near death experiences and um, shared death experiences and visits and all of these spiritually transformative experiences that people have that really tend to come out of these, these depressive or anxious experiences and then transform their lives. And there's actually a ton of research out on spirituality being a more effective preventative measure against depression and anxiety than even any psychotropic medication is right now. And so that for me has been sort of the most transformative experience of my life, really. And and diving into spirituality as a 
preventative factor for me. And really when things are tough, diving deeper into that Mm -hmm. rather than turning away from it. Cause I think sometimes when you feel like life is not exactly how you want it to be, or you've experienced an obstacle, the sense is I'm going to turn away from faith. I'm not even talking religion. I'm talking about some sense that there is some kind of greater power out there and that together we are co-collaborating in creating something. Um, And there's typically a sense of wanting to turn away from that when things get difficult versus going deeper into that and trying to better understand, okay, what is this here for? What am I here to learn from this experience? How can I use this experience to grow my soul? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So let me ask you one last thing about that is how is that played into how you view this pandemic, this time that we've been in, and, and even how you're talking to your patients about it. Like what, what's a pearl there that's that, you know, our, my listeners can take away of like maybe how to explore spirituality as a way to heal through this time. Mm -hmm. I think I look at it as what is the meaning that this has given us? Well, I mean, I was talking to someone just this morning on the playground and it's like, people are sort of jumped right back. I'm so stressed out. I'm so busy. I have so many activities. And I'm thinking, you brought this upon yourself, right? We all collectively had an opportunity to slow down and really look at what matters. What what do I care about? What is meaningful to me? How am I going to re-engage with that and let some of the other stuff go. And I recognize some of this, we don't have control, right? There's probably people out there that are like, yeah, I never want to go back into the office again. Um, And some of that we can't control, but the things that we can, how are we? And I think, you know, there, there is a lot of sort of spiritual stuff out there. Some great, some not so great on this, this pandemic, but what it did for us spiritually. And some people, it really shook up and gave them an opportunity to say, hold on. My life is not headed in the direction that I wanted it to be. I got on that treadmill. I did not get off. And now is an opportunity for me to step to the side of that treadmill and really contemplate, is this what I want to get back on again? And do I want it to be, you know, at a 10.0 hill at a whatever, I don't Mm -hmm. run on a treadmill, but like 8.0 pace, Yeah. yeah, right? Versus can I step off and where can I step off? And really, these are not easy questions. They're very difficult questions. And I'm grappling with them too, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to find the balance and okay, where, how fast do I want to get back on this treadmill? And what really matters to me in my life? And what has always mattered to me is meaningful connections with the people that I love. And I think that that's a big takeaway for me in all of this, right? Life is not guaranteed. Many, many people lost loved ones during this pandemic and people lose loved ones all the time. This is not a new thing. It was just in our zeitgeist in a way that it, we were able to kind of push off and deny for quite some time. Right. But, but are the relationships in my life meaningful? Am I taking time to be with the people that I love? That was my lesson. That was my takeaway. Am I having meaningful connections? And just like you and I had, right? Am I taking the time to sit and talk with someone and listen to them and learn from them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That I feel like is, is for me, what matters. Yeah. Can I ask you a couple of speed round questions just to finish it out really fast? Okay. Um, Complete this sentence. Wellness is... Knowing yourself. Yes. What is one myth about mental health that we need to change? That it is a problem if you are struggling emotionally because you're human. And so good luck if you think that's never going to (laughs) happen. Exactly. It comes back to that awareness, right? right? Yeah. What is something that people often get wrong about you? That I am super conventional. Mm. <laughs> what is something that most people don't know about you? That I can talk to dead people. 
<laughs> if you all could see the look on her face when she just did that, it was so cute. Okay. Anyway, because uh, I'm looking at her on a video, but you can't see that. Um, what is sometimes one... <laughs> not all the time. Sometimes. Um, what is one thing that you're really excited about right now? Oh, I'm so excited about our both of our new positions at Beyond. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're just getting started. It's going to be really fun. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful about right now? That the ages of my kids and that they still feel like it still feels safe. Hmm. We're, I'm like on the cusp of that not being the case. But again, right, there's my own feelings of fear, like that yeah. something's going to happen to them. So I just want to let people, I hope people hear and take away that I'm always working on this as well. Yeah, absolutely. We teach what we need to learn the most, right? Mm -hmm. What book is on your nightstand right now? Oh my God. So many books on nightstand right now. I read like incessantly for my podcast. Um, right next to me is The Awakened Brain, which is this podcast that I just recorded with Lisa Miller, who talks about the science of spirituality. Mm -hmm. I have The Quantum Brain is next. I have Letting Go um, for an interview I'm doing next week. And for fun, I want to read The Empire of Pain, which is the book about um, the OxyContin scandal. And that's for fun. That's for fun. I love that. <laughs> You're such a geek like me. Okay. I'm such a geek. Oh my God. I'm such a geek. What is a song that you're listening to on repeat right now? Oh my God. My favorite song is Higher Love, the Whitney Houston version. Like you put that on and I just like literally turn it on anywhere and you will find me dancing to it. Amazing. I love that you can just own that. It's awesome. Oh, oh, it's like a standing joke. I start, I'm the first one on the dance floor and the last one off of it. Oh, that's so funny. Um, well, this feels like a really good place for us to end our time together. I've so enjoyed being with you, but if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Oh gosh. Invest the time and money in yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me, Amy. Thank you so much, Avanti. I love this. Those are great questions at the end. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. This was a, a really thought provoking conversation. So thank you for that. I hope your listeners love it. And you're going to come on my podcast too. So I would love that for sure. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com and you can subscribe to my newsletter where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within.